Hello, Devils fans. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. We know it's been a while, but we are launching our fourth season of the podcast. That's unbelievable to think about. Uh, as the new league year has begun, July 1st, bonuses were paid out. Other things happen like contracts expiring. There's all kinds of news in the offseason. And thankfully, the Rangers did not win the Stanley Cup. And as with all the other seasons of the show so far, I'm joined by John Fisher. John, how are you doing today? How are you doing with this new league year on the horizon? Well, it's still a little off-putting because some of the major dates have been adjusted, but you are right. It is officially a new year of the NHL. You can officially say the Devils are 0-0-0. Everybody's got the same record. And uh, the main events of the offseason are coming up in what is going to be a slightly unusual but hockey-filled summer. And I'm doing pretty well, if a little bit hot, as New Jersey is heating up. Mm-hmm. And there's, as always with the offseason, unfortunately, there's more to talk about in terms of excitement than anything that happens during the season with the Devils in terms of recent years. But they're poised to have another strong offseason. Rumors abound. But let's quickly just mention um, congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche and former Devil Mikhail Maltsev uh, for winning the Stanley Cup against the Tampa Bay Lightning, ending their completely dominant playoff run over the past few seasons. Uh, it looked like a combination of Colorado being easily their best opponent in the finals and also uh, Tampa Bay just kind of running out of steam towards the end of that series. But it was a great run. They did us all a favor by taking out the Rangers and Colorado gets to celebrate their first Stanley Cup since defeating our Devils in 2001. And very quickly, there was a story that they uh, ran the entire town of Denver out of alcohol very quickly, trying to book uh, a bar for their post-cup party. So uh, City of Denver is still celebrating to this day, but congratulations to them and some lessons we can learn from them. I mean, again, this whole nonsense aspect of grit and toughness, this is not something that Colorado emphasized to win the Stanley Cup, nor did they need a Vezina caliber goaltender to win the trophy. They managed to do so with a very stalwart Darcy Kemper uh, and also a very injured Darcy Kemper uh, at times during the playoff run, but they just really flooded with offense. The forecheck was relentless. They, They had strong play down the middle of the ice and had some amazing performances from players who uh, maybe you didn't hear as much about during the season, but for example, Val Nichushkin, who is um, could be a target for the devils in free agency. He had one of the best final series of anyone really. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Andre Burakowski, Nazim Kadri behaved and uh, rose above the St. Louis hate to uh, have himself a very fine playoff. Um, guys like Darren Helm contributed. Uh, the defense held up well, despite not having Samuel Gerrard for that entire, for the, I think the entire T of their playoffs, uh, Kale McCarr played out of his mind and is another example of why you should not necessarily overrate uh, size for a defenseman. If the guy's got the skills mm-hmm. and he's got the vision and he's got the wheels and he's got the brains, he's going to be a damn good hockey player, regardless of position. And Kale, Kale McCarr as perfect ev- evidence of that uh, won the Conn Smythe trophy unanimously now making people wonder where can I find the next Kale McCarr? 
and spoiler there's not a kale mccarr in this upcoming draft class and and i, <laughs> I want to say like all this retroactive business to the 2017 draft is kind of nonsense because first yeah. of all colorado had the best lottery odds anyway so if they ended up getting the best player in that draft i don't feel too bad about it that year and also that year's discussion was centered entirely around nico or nolan yes. there was no one else in the running if you mm-hmm. remember and i don't really have any regrets for the devils taking nico over nolan nico's been a 60 point plus player uh, potentially for the devils he's faced his share of injuries over the last couple of seasons but he's only getting better and uh, again they offer something different and obviously kale mccarr has had the support of a much much stronger team a much stronger organization at this moment in time but you know nico's I'm happy with Nico Heischer. This is not something that's first line center ever since he was 18. This is like a weird (laughs) complaint to say, oh, well, he's not Elias Peterson. He's not Kale McCarr. It's like, like, okay, okay, he's still a top center. I don't know what the beef is here. I don't Um, know, but there was not even the conversation. There's no no, need to retrofit it to, uh, you know, what ended up happening was the worst team that year ended up getting what looks like the best player so far. So I guess justice was served. So And, And McCarr wasn't even talked up as being a potential fourth round pick you know i do a roundup of mock drafts every year we're going to do the same at all about the jersey before this year's draft and it's a good snapshot in time of what what people are talking about not just media but also hockey fans scouts amateur scouts professional scouts mccarr was not at all um a consensus number fourth over number four pick that year yeah and like uh, it was it was seen as a bit of a reach because he comes out of junior A, he was gonna go to college, he's yep. not a big defenseman, you know. What you know, is he gonna be that good? And I don't think anybody in the right mind predicted that he would exceed mm-hmm. his upside. Yeah, and, yes. and so again, there's no reason to relitigate it. Nico Heischer may end up winning championships of his own, and we'll all go back and say, maybe you shouldn't be ranked below eight other people in his draft, including Jeremy Swayman and Nick yeah, Suzuki, that, that, according to NHL.com. Yeah, NHL.com is very much, it's very much a recency thing, too. Like, if you did a redraft of 2017 last year, I'm sure Elias Peterson would have been number one, and Kel McCarr would have been number two, and Haskina would be number five, and it's like okay great so talk to me in three years and we're going to change the list again so for what yeah you know i mean also they had you know some guy named nate mckinnon who kept putting up tons of points every single year and just got better and better they had just stellar performances all around and yeah mccarr was a huge part in terms of you know winning this championship he was the mvp of the playoffs i don't think anyone was really doubting that too much but Man, like it's just such a useless exercise. And hopefully we don't have to go back to that kind of exercise for this year's draft. Let's start there. Um, I want to start with what we know is coming this week. It's the NHL draft and the Devils have the second overall pick. In this draft, it seems like there's the same names floating around for the top three or those top three slots that uh, people seem to have. With the first spot either going to Juraj Slavkovsky of Slovakia, the big winger that the Devils have been seeking to play alongside Jack Hughes, or Shane Wright, the center who was destined to go first for a long time, but you know this year gave people some hesitation, but is still a skilled player in his own right, and really, for a lot of people, still the number one on the list. And if Montreal makes it easy for the Devils and takes right, then Slavkovsky's the easy pick, and I'm sure Fitzgerald would sprint up to the podium to make it. But if the pick is Slavkovsky, the Devils might hesitate to take right just because they have centers down the middle. They might want to take a risk on someone like a Cooley who has been described to have um, you know, more potential but, uh, than right 
maybe, or they might take a risk on one of the defensemen available on the high end of this draft, like Simon Nemec or David Yerichek. Right. Yeah. The options at number two are very good options. Um, I know the 22, the 2022 draft class has been described as a weaker class in the sense that there's no star. There's no, you know, franchise changing player in there. And that does include Sikowski, Cooley and Wright, by the way, in that description. However, if you're looking for future NHL players, guys that good teams have that make them good as opposed to average or teams that are average that make it instead of being bad. Like there, there are plenty of perspective prospects in this year's draft class and picking it second overall will get you the best of that bunch. Um, you're absolutely right that based on mock drafts that I'm, I've been looking up based on the discussions we've had internally at all about the Jersey and a lot of other people uh, looking at this. Yeah. The, the common refrain is that the devils need a big beefy winger Um Slikovsky is a big beefy winger. Go take him. Uh, that's pretty much been, uh, you know, I just summed up 24 different mock draft reasonings for you. Uh, however, I will point out that, you know, if Wright doesn't go first, and that's something that's already been floated by Corey Pronman of The Athletic and Bob McKenzie of TSN with his final draft rankings, which is just a, a really a survey of scouts that he's talked to, uh, preferring Slikovsky over Wright. You know, Montreal makes this real interesting. Personally, you know, from what I've seen, the top three is going to be some combination of um, Wright, Slikovsky, and Cooley. Mm -hmm. With, you know, yeah, some people have questioned whether the Devils are going to take Nemec or Juracek, but for the most part, if the Devils are thinking of that, they might opt to trade down a couple spots for that. Yep. Um, Which, sure, whatever. Um, But, uh, you know... My opinion is I think Cooley might end up being the best player in this draft mm. and take the best, you know, this isn't rocket science. Take the guy you think is going to be the best player in the draft. You'll figure out the position. You'll figure out the role later. Yes. Uh, but that being positional said, need, anyone can play wing and yeah. you can always move people. If you have an excess of one position, this is very true. However, and I'll also add that free agency is going to happen less than a week after this week's draft. So if you want a big beefy winger, you know, Valeri Natrushkin is going to be on the market and get paid really well. Mason Marchment's on the market. He, he could get paid really well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, in terms of positional positions available, if you want a quote unquote physical winger, you can find those guys fairly easy next than a week, rather than ask the 18 year old guy at a TPS to uh, do it. Uh, that being said, I really do think Slikovsky, my only concerns with Slikovsky is the mobility mm-hmm. at the next level. And whether or not the Devils can develop a guy like Sikowski, a guy like Cooley, the Devils know how to develop because you've seen it with Brat, you've seen it with Hughes, you've seen it with Heischer, you're seeing it now with Mercer. You know, that I can foresee Cooley hitting his potential under how New Jersey does business. A guy like Sikowski, on the other hand, he's not just this big, beefy guy. Like, he's a big, beefy guy who's got good hands, good vision. He's perfect to play out of a cycle, something the Devils don't currently do. So... Is Sikowski talented enough to adjust his way and you're, and the, are the devils smart enough to get the most out of him? Maybe, but you know, at second overall, you got to make this pick work. So that's why our, 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 my pick in the mock draft for SB nation was Cooley. It's partially why Brian picked Cooley and one other person picked Cooley and we had a tie. So Cooley was our pick, but I'm fine with Sikowski. He's a fine pick. I think he's the most likely pick. Um, that's just how I see the, the, the pick being used. If the pick is being used at all, Dan, Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of things floating around, I'm sure. You know, trading the second overall pick is not something that happens 
often no at all it is not something that you can really assess that kind of value for a player coming back because it's just there's so much uncertainty surrounding it it's such a high position to draft from like three was the highest pick that the devils ever trade and they received that pick for uh tom curvers right that that's with yeah. scott niedermeyer yeah, and, and that was and that was a pick from years from now it wasn't like the same year third third overall yeah so it's it's hard to imagine that they 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 would need to get something really really serious back and by really really serious i mean more than a kevin fiala who ended up going for a first rounder and a prospect but it was a lower first rounder from los angeles since they were in the playoffs this year so it wasn't you know second overall to what like 19th overall there's a big big difference there and it's something that they'd have to think a long, long time about, and the player coming back would have to be a major, major piece. And I think the number one on the wish list for Devils fans is not that big scoring or is that big physical winger. It's the really small scoring one like Johnny Gaudreau. He has mm-hmm. ties to the area. You know, there, there's, it seems like negotiations between him and the Flames aren't going well. Of course, by the time we even post this, they, we could see that the contract's been agreed upon. That's what seems yeah. to be happening left and right here as rumors keep getting floated around. But um, that's probably the big fish and all the other ones will follow his kind of deal. But the Fiala point is something that um, dovetails pretty nicely into our next point where we have to talk about Jesper Bratt. And yep. Jesper Bratt's contract negotiations and the devil's RFA negotiations have notoriously taken a long time as of late. Um, it took a while to get Zaha, to get Wood, to get Bratt's first contract signed. Um, the, the only one that really didn't take too long was Jack Hughes for obvious reasons. But And he sure. Yeah, and he, he sure. Awesome. That's right. That's right. But um, it, it just, they've been dragging these out for a while and it seems like they all eventually end up okay, but Brad made himself a name in the NHL this year. He appears on a lot of underrated lists this year. He appears on a lot of surprising players. He took a huge step this year in terms of being a playmaker, in terms of, um, you know, just driving the engine that was the devil's offense and to the best of his ability, you know, minus the power play. But um, he's someone who will demand a significant raise and the devil should give it to him. I can't oh, see any team offer sheeting. Um, just because that's not something that really happens. Besides and the Devils have heaps of cap space. Like they'll, they'll be able to match anything. Exactly. And they have no reason not to. Brad's been, Brad's shown amazing chemistry with the team. I can't imagine that he won't get signed. And these trade rumors are just that. They're, they're rumors. I don't see any reason that the Devils wouldn't bring him back. And if they were to trade him, they would, again, have to get something pretty serious in return. Um, so I'm not too worried about his negotiations. I'd just like them to be done so we know how much space the Devils are working with moving forward. Because besides the scoring winger, besides fixing the power play, and besides, you know, filling out the coaching staff, what would you say is the number one most pressing need for the New Jersey Devils, John? Goaltending. Goaltending is the number one most pressing need. And if you don't believe in Mackenzie Blackwood, and he's given you plenty of reasons not to over the last couple of years, um, the number one name that I've seen the Devils link with is Ville Husso Mm -hmm. from the St. Louis Blues. Does that inspire confidence in you, John? Not entirely, because Mm -hmm. I'm going to remind everybody of a certain player. You might know this player, Dan. His name is Scott Darling. Oh. Scott Darling was a guy who, you know, came from auspicious uh, backgrounds. Not He wasn't a highly touted prospect. He wasn't a highly touted player, but he came into Chicago and he played a decent amount of time where he played well enough to make you think, okay, this guy could be the real deal. And Carolina, the same Carolina Hurricanes who, you know, won the Metropolitan Division this year, uh, this season, 
you know, at that time, their biggest uh, problem was that they had five on five hockey figured out. They had possession hockey figured out. They didn't figure out goaltending or special teams. Mm -hmm. So they made a big bet on Scott Darling. And a lot of people, myself included, thought, okay, the Carolina Hurricanes have figured out goaltending. Scott (laughs) Darling will be the guy. He'll be better than Cam Ward. Where is Scott Darling now, you ask? Uh, Not in the league. Scott Darling is indeed not in the league. Not in the league. Nope. His, His contract was bought out. Not only was he bought out, uh, he was actually, it was moved to Florida mm-hmm. at, at one point. Oh, that's the, the contract graveyard. That's right. Besides back, back Arizona. When it, back when it was a contract graveyard. Now that Florida's like really yeah, good. Now that, like now they ain't like, one now. Yeah, exactly. But but the Arizona but buy- took on that role now. Yeah, but, but his buyout ended in 2021. Wow. And mind you, Scott Darling got a $16.6 million deal over four seasons. He got... Mm-hmm. You know, he had even had a 15 team trade list. He had a modified no trade clause. So Carolina bet big on this guy who had admittedly a really good season with uh, Chicago, really good times in Chicago. The numbers, yeah, small sample sizes, but the save percentages for overall situations, 936, 915, 924. That's a guy to take a bet on. And then he comes to Carolina and drops an 88.8. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and basically, you know, kneecaps that season for Carolina. So right. that's my fear with Huso is that Huso has shown enough to, to make you go, yeah, let's take a chance on Huso. And, but there's enough in the background and we've seen it with other goaltenders that, you know, it, it could be just that he, he just had a couple good years and that's just going to be it. So I'm, I'm a little hesitant on the devil's throwing a heap of money at Huso and saying, okay, you're going to be the guy. Cause then if that doesn't work, Dan, the devils are back to literally where they are right now with Blackwood and Detris in the net. My, my counter to that is more so the fact that beggars can't be choosers and the devils are very much beggars in this department. It this cannot possibly be any worse than it already was. That's what I'm saying. Uh, like, that is I, a fair point. I will uh, agree with you with that. Well, like, <laughs> I, I just don't think you could put anyone in there that would have a worse performance than the seven combined goalies the devils had this year, which is still a staggering number. But again, you see Hammond, you know, go on that run with Ottawa. And now he is, he showed you what he did when he was a New Jersey devil and has not really found any sort of regular role in the league since there, there yeah. are flash in the pan things happening, but I want to talk specific numbers uh, as we pass the draft. So next week, we can talk about what Brat's contract might look like, uh, what kind of numbers Fiala got, what we're expecting for the others. But just so we don't overcrowd one episode, we'll save that for when we get closer to actual free agency, mm-hmm. uh, because there are a lot of interesting discussions to be had in comparisons for Brat. Uh, but I think th- there's just so much that we need to catch up on that we, we should stagger it a little bit. So yeah. we'll have more of a free agency discussion next week after the draft, especially because the draft should clarify the direction for the Devils uh, in certain departments too. And we don't know which players will be on the move. It seems like there's a lot of players being floated as you know, JT Miller is going to be traded at the draft. There's this, uh, all these discussions Alex, about Alex, the brink cat, you know, supposedly it, yep. Chicago rejected a deal that involved two firsts and a player, which mm-hmm. makes me think Columbus called, called Chicago and said, could we take another guy from you? <laughs> and uh, Philip Forsberg is potentially, you know, extending a contract as well in Nashville. Who knows? Like there's so much that can change before free agency even starts in terms of who will stay uh, with their current team that, I think it just makes more sense for us to cover it more in depth next week. But in terms of the draft, 
that's basically what we're looking at. And we know the devil's number one need is goalie, but there's really, there's no goalie to draft. There's no goalie in the draft worth drafting that high. I will say, I will say among the eight picks that the devils have, which by the way, we're finally going to get the conclusions this year mm-hmm. of the uh, Dmitry Kulikov trade from 2021 because that's the pick the Devils got in return uh, for the fourth round. They got Edmonton's fourth rounder because Edmonton did not win a single playoff round in 2021. Mm-hmm. The Islanders didn't go to the final, so the, their compensatory pick from the call, the final comp, comp pick from the uh, Kyle Palmieri, Travis Zajac trade, that's a fourth rounder this year. And we finally will get to see the return. Of the legendary Keith Kincaid deal of 2019, the fifth rounder from Columbus will finally get used. (laughs) I will predict, Dan, that of the three fourth rounders and that one fifth rounder the Devils have, one of them will be used on a goaltender because the Devils have consistently drafted at least one goaltender in every draft since 2015. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Like, it's worth shooting your shot every year at that, except it's just unfortunate they haven't really found the guy um but however i will say that you know looking at some of the players they used last year it was clear that a lot of those players weren't ready and that doesn't preclude them from ever being ready in the future it's something that maybe you know they were kind of thrust into the fire behind a team that was completely out of sorts for a long time and just mentally really not all there so yeah um maybe the the change this year, maybe the adjustment of expectations will help players like Nico Dawes, who did show flashes at moments. Um, but, you know, overall, he had just as tough a season as anyone else. Um, but but the, the men responsible for getting the players mentally ready for this season have changed behind the devil's bench. So let's talk a little bit about some of the overall coaching changes in the league, because there were many and the devils oh. were not involved in the head coaching change. But they did manage to address two of the bigger problems that we had talked about. And I think we mentioned this last episode, but uh, Elaine Nasruddin and Mark Recchi are no longer with the Devils. No. Uh, okay. I, now that he's no longer there, I have to say Mark Recchi was maybe the worst power play coach in Devils history. I, I, I can't imagine the team looking any worse than they did on the power play over these last two seasons. Longtime fans will remember that I complained a lot about Jeff Ward. Mm-hmm. Mark Recchi made Jeff Ward look like a genius. Yeah. Because, and, and again, if you want another lesson to learn from the Stanley Cup champions, notice that Colorado and Tampa Bay and everybody else that went deep in the playoffs, by the way, they didn't have a power play that stayed stationary for two minutes. The Rangers Mark- were carried entirely by their power play and goaltender all season through the playoffs. You have all these players who are known for being quick, mobile, creative. And you're and you tell them to stay still. <laughs> How? <sighs> anyway, Mark Recchi has not been rehired by anybody. I imagine he will at some point because he's Mark Recchi. And he's a hockey man, and you know how it goes. He, he, he played over 1,600 games in the NHL. I'm sure somebody will find that to be an asset. Elaine Nazardine, however, has mm-hmm. a new 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 job. He actually got hired as part of Peter DeBoer's new staff in Dallas. Yes, yeah, strange. But in fact, I, here's a quick here's a quick runaround of all the different co- most oh, of yeah, the coaching ahead. changes because there's a lot of them. Yep. Uh, Philadelphia now has John Tortorella, so I'm sure Philadelphia is going to be annoying, to, more annoying to play against. Because say what you want about John Tortorella, it's good the coach. players run the pl- the players run through walls for this guy. And he's a good coach. Detroit got uh, Lalonde, who has been a longtime Tampa Bay assistant. Somebody I know, I'm sure Yeiserman, excuse me, knew really really well. Mm-hmm. Bruce Cassidy was surprisingly fired by Boston. Bizarre. 
very bizarre because Cassidy, I think, is one of the best coaches in the entire league. But I guess Boston hired. <laughs> quickly was really quickly picked up by Las Vegas, who fired to Boer after mm-hmm. they didn't make the playoffs. Boston has since hired Jim Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Uh, another surprise, Andrew Burnett was let go by Florida. Yep. And this is actually, there is a devil's angle to this because Elliot Friedman in his uh, 32 thoughts, his last one for the season mm-hmm. uh, uh, that was posted up literally at 2 a.m. this morning, uh, <laughs> said the devils are interested in bringing in Burnett as an assistant. And I mm-hmm. think that's the general feel is that while he is a Jack Adams finalist or was a Jack Adams finalist, I should say, the general sentiment seems to be he, he just did whatever Quenville was doing. And then when the playoffs happened, he got exposed, which mm-hmm. makes some sense. He was an assistant and got thrust into the interim head coach role and uh the playoffs are where you know guys get exposed so it's 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 hard to blame them though for losing to the back-to-back stanley cup champions i think the problem is that they got swept by the yeah that's the problem stanley cup if it was like a six game loss then maybe he still has a head coaching job anyway but he's available as a potential assistant and he's somebody the devils absolutely should be at least interviewing if not hiring uh, Barry Trotz was the subject of a lot of rumor and even got an offer from a Winnipeg brewery of free beer for life if he uh, coached the Jets, but he told them, no, he's taking a break from hockey. And then last week, late last week, San Jose, who's looking for a GM, has decided we're going to fire their head coach and coaching staff. So Bob Boner is now on the market. Uh, John McClain is back on the market. John Madden is on the market. I'm sure. OK, I don't really want to see McClain again as an assistant, but uh I'm sure there's a number of devil fans that would love to see John Madden back in the organization. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. We, we love a return. That's the thing. Well, I, <sighs> a lot of people do love a return. You're right. But I, I hesitate because I know full well, there's a huge difference between the player and then the, the you know, somebody in coaching oh, sure. or management. Well, I don't think McLean's coming back. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I think that would be a tough sell to uh, fans for sure, mm-hmm. um, given how his previous tenure as a member of the coaching staff went. But Madden would get a fresh opportunity. I mean, he's he's also bounced around a couple of teams, but uh, it seems like those teams are doing okay, except, you know, San Jose had a very tough season. But Yeah, but San Jose is starting from scratch. In fact, weirdly yeah. enough, their, have you, their GM finalists include former Devils assistant coach Mike Greer. Yeah, which I'm really stunned at. I know that San Jose apparently wants to hire again a former shark. So mm-hmm. th- as you said, Dan, lots of people love a return. Yeah, but it's like Scott Mellenby, Mike Greer. Like, really? Oh, this, these are know. these are the options you're gonna go with? <laughs> Ownership? What's what's going on here? Yeah. Maybe you don't want to bring back Wilson. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. for another year to say, hey, come on back. <laughs> we'll give you an extra. Uh, yeah, we'll give you some extra money as a make do. Right. Uh, but hey, it's their organization. I'm, I'm not going to tell them what to do. Right. Well, we'll see what happens when the carousel resolves itself. The Devils do have to fill out their staff before the season starts, obviously. And mm-hmm. somehow they managed to keep Dave Rogalski. But did they keep Dave yeah, Rogalski for his connections to Villa Huso? We'll see, I guess, because apparently that's a connection that exists that yeah. I certainly wasn't aware of. Were you? Uh, I was. I'm not surprised, but usually the big connection has always been his connection with Jordan Bennington. And I know mm-hmm. Bennington has received a lot of criticism and I think he's an okay goaltender, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think he's for lack of a better word, redeemed his quality of play in the playoffs. But uh, again, I think the, I think how do you mess up seven different goaltenders? I don't know. Like don't that know. alone, like if this was an NFL job, right? 
like, let's say your, your team got beset by injury. You're a Jets fan. You see three quarterbacks get knocked out. You're picking up quarterbacks literally off the street and the QB and they're still getting destroyed. You may have to question, maybe the QB coach isn't, isn't right for this job. Maybe he's not the guy. <laughs> maybe the coach, maybe, the, maybe you need a clean slate, not just at the position, but also which whoever is on staff um, is talking to that position. But I don't know. The hot rumor I've heard is that Martin Berdor, who again was a former assistant GM of the blues, maybe a big fan of Rogowski. And of course, Berdor says, I want Rogowski and maybe you got to keep Berdor happy and keep Rogowski. I'm, I'm not a fan of keeping Rogowski, to be honest with you. That's I yeah. think one of the big, I, I don't like the fact you're keeping rough, but I really don't like the fact that bringing back Rogowski. I guess we'll see if the schemes in front of the goaltender get a lot better. It may not be as egregious because uh, it was bad. It was bad. And the assistant coaches were definitely responsible for a lot of that. And the one thing I'm most excited for is the power play getting better. I, again, it has to get better. that's one of those departments where it can't possibly be any worse. So like, I, I'm already excited for it to not be the same. Right. But you know what, Dan, What's there's that? some other off the ice devil's news that we need to touch on go on one steve cangelosi announced mm-hmm. that he called his final game for the new jersey devils this past season um apparently he is moving on i think the hot rumor is that he's going to take uh soccer announcing which he still does he still does the new york red bulls games for msg but i have a suspicion that like that's going to fill out complete his contract and then possibly be one of the national announcers mm-hmm. for apple who has now bought the rights to mls mm-hmm. um Steve was a very good play-by-play commentator. Yeah. And he had the unenviable task of following Doc Emmerich, who also followed, um, oh, his name escapes me, Gary Thorne, Mm -hmm. another big name in hockey broadcasting. I would say Steve did a very good job. I'm a little little surprised he never learned how to say score correctly, but everybody's got to have a gimmick. Everybody's got to have a shtick. But Steve was very good at his job. And... um, I, I wish him well. And apparently MSG is going through a lot of different candidates for the play-by-play job. The only person who has said he's not doing it is Bryce Salvador, which yep. makes sense because, well, he, he he's an analyst. He's really he's good, too at, good at his role. He's like really good at his role. I, I wish playoffs, he'd be the co- he was stellar. Yeah, I wish he would be the color commentator for the Devils. But again, that's an MSG decision. That's not a Devils yeah. decision. And again, so. like you said, following Gary Thorne, following Doc is one thing. But Steve had the unenviable task of following a team that was – experiencing an unprecedented bad swing in terms of their franchise history. This is, Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> this was easily like the worst period of time for the devils with Steve behind the, it, I mean, obviously it's not his fault, but he had to sit there and maintain a positive attitude. He had to maintain excitement for the moments that, you know, in the grand scheme may not have been as exciting, but he sure delivered them as if they were. So it, I, yeah. I appreciate that about him. Yeah. It's clear that MSG, and this is true for a lot of sports broadcasts. It's not just MSG here, but they always want to try to you know spin games as positively as much as I would love a, I would love Shep Messing to do a Devils game to start using the phrase absolutely shambolic repeatedly. <laughs> uh, but you know, as you said, it, it's been a hard, hard, hard run of seasons to call and still try to present things as positive. Try to still present things as here's why you should still pay attention to this team. Mm-hmm. So cre- credit to Steve for making a lot of chicken salad at a chicken you know what and i wish him the best going forward 
and we'll see uh we'll see who comes next we really don't have any indication about that it might be someone from the uh, minor league team it might be um you know people broadcasting elsewhere that we're just not aware of and i'm sure the process is exhaustive they know how important this is they know that this is someone they want to stick with for a while because like you said the devil's broadcasters have a history of going national they have a history of being Mm -hmm. quality and again as a team that plays close to where nhl network is you saw a lot of the devil's broadcasters be employed for the playoffs this is something that bryce did something that erica did these these are people that dano gets on nhl network all the time yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. and when julie robenheimer was working for the devil she was on nhl network constantly Um, exactly not to mention we're in the largest media market in the world like i'm sure sports broadcasters out of college at you know as you said minor leagues smaller towns they will trip over their parents to come to new york city to call anything in the area because mm-hmm. just for your own career you could say i worked at msg like i'm sure that opens doors everywhere oh yeah in that world yeah and uh, like i said we'll see what happens we'll see what the process leads us to but uh in terms of other off ice stuff uh we had a little bit of a check-in with arseni gritsuk he still has a contract for a year um, but, uh, he's been in contact with the organization, New Jersey, and you know, the tough part isn't staying in contact with him. It's actually bringing him over to the States because oh, there yeah. has been an issue. Um, and this is, you know, we talked about this issue for a few episodes and how it would impact, you know, not just the, the global state of affairs, but also specifically the NHL. And we've had our first example of something that is a very, I would describe it as a scary situation for a young very prospect scary. who, um, he signed an NHL contract as was his right to do. And on his way over, he was accused of dodging the military service required of him in Russia. And uh, Ivan uh, Fedotov, um, man, like it's just such a scary story. He immediately started feeling bad. A doctor gave him something prescribed. And, you know, historically, when you're prescribed something by a doctor in Russia, you never know what you're going to get. And, he got really sick. He got sent 15 hours north to like some remote region of Russia. It is all very scary, very disastrous as things ramp up in that part of the world. And so the hope is that, you know, the, the players aren't too affected by this. They're, they're not responsible for this. They're not really involved in this. They don't really have to be. They are hockey players, but they still feel the consequences of this. And you just hope that it doesn't affect more people as it goes. And it, it obviously will, but you, you hope you don't hear more stories like this of young players basically being cut down before they even get a chance to do anything. And luckily for us, the, the player of most concern, I would say for the devils is Jaeger Sharangovich, but he seems to be um, in the States and yeah. not really thinking of going back there. Well, Belarus, Belarus has to your point, Belarus has been issuing out lots of uh, requests for young men to sign up for the military which I'm yeah. sure is not voluntary. But so Sharagovich staying here is a very good thing from that standpoint. So a bit of, I, I want to touch on this because believe it or not, the story is even crazier than the, what you just described. Mm-hmm. So l- a little bit of background here. Ivan Fedotov, seventh Full round tender. pick in 2015. Mm-hmm. He is 25 years old. He's going to turn 26 in November. Um, this is not a premier prospect. This is not a top level you know, oh my goodness, everybody on the NHL, look out, this guy's coming over. Like he did well at the Olympics. He was Russia's goaltender at the Olympics. He did really well. Uh, he played for Siska ba- Moscow um, in his first and perhaps only season so far with the organization before he was with uh, Tractor Chely- Chelyabinsk and um, mm-hmm. Salavat, which is Muhammadulin's team in Ufa. 
Um, good numbers, but again, we're talking about a seventh round pick from 2015. Hardly a name player. And yet, this guy signed his contract back in May. He's been working out with, with in Moscow, as he would, before he has to come over to America. He gets picked up by the police for draft evasion. At first, everything seems like it's okay because apparently some reporters called him and he picked up the phone. So they figured, okay, this must be like a paperwork issue or something. Mm -hmm. And then the whole thing of, well, he collapsed and then he got taken to an ambulance. Then he gets taken to a hospital. Oh, he, he's ruled with gastritis, but he got injected with something. Mm -hmm. and, and he's not listed in the hospital as, as being, it, you know, like uh, put into the hospital. He's not on their records. The parents can't see him. The agent can't see him. He has a lawyer who doesn't know what's going on. The Russian Hockey Federation, uh, the president was asked about it, and Tretiak said, I have no comment. And as you just said, he got detained and moved up to Severomorosk, which is, I'm going to guess, is right next to Santa Claus's house. That's how far north it is in Russia. That's like uh, right next to Norway. Or yeah. sorry, Finland, Finland. Finland, yeah, near, not, the, tip Norway, of, near the northern tip of Finland. That's how yep. north it is. It's it's in a close that's a closed city where the naval base is. So they must be really intent on getting this guy in the navy. Um, and again, this is a 25 year old six foot eight goaltender. Like you know, he's not a big name player. He's not. But it, it, it goes to show that if Russia wants, this is basically a show of power. You know, mm -hmm. he's ba they're basically making an example out of him. And the fear is, and it's a legitimate fear. And this has been expressed even by Russian journalists, is that. Other players on C. Scott might get picked up for the same reason. Hmm. Other KHL teams may be forced to uh, comply. Um, as the Russian war in Ukraine continues, they're going to continue to need bodies from their standpoint. Who cares if they're hockey players or not? And right. I hate to, you know, the most important thing is Fedotov's safety. Mm -hmm. You know, most importantly, I really hope he wasn't injected with, with uh, something harmful or that um you know hopefully he's able to see his family and get the hell out of russia as soon as possible um i mean i know i would if i were in this situation but right. if i was in a situation i probably have a guard with several guns pointed at me too um you know so so this is going to have another deflating effect on picking players out of the khl and russian players as a whole for this coming draft already there was an open concern the russian factor has always been present there's no transfer agreement with the khl so that contract that the player signs with the khl you got to respect the contract you can't bring them over whenever mm -hmm. add to the fact now you have concerns about getting visas with fedotov here now there's a legitimate concern of is my player going to be picked up by the military at some random point scary it's scary, it is scary. Stuff. It's, it, like... it's scary like who's to say this couldn't happen to gritsyuk or daniel Masul? Or Mukhamadulin. Well, Mukhamadulin's in oh, America. Oh, he's here, right? right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, he was brought over to Utica. I hope, knock on wood, he's not back in Ufa. He's he's hanging out in upstate New York somewhere. Yeah. You know, fishing, hunting, camping, doing all maybe, sorts maybe of. Maybe hitting a winery. Why not? Yeah, lots of lots of lots of things to do in upstate New York. They have lots of tourist ads up there that tell you it's more than just visiting the city. Go hang out in the many millions of you know towns of like 20 people in upstate new york stay hidden call yourself <laughs> bob if you need to having you know? been in rochester a couple of weeks ago i'm gonna disagree respectfully and tell you that there's nothing up there but uh, the perception is nice i guess <laughs> if you if you like the outdoors 
Yeah. Then then yeah, upstate New York's your jam. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, but but seriously though, there's gonna this is gonna dampen concerns for teams that already are leery on picking Russian and KHL based players. The Devils haven't been one of those teams. They've been mm-hmm. consistently picking Russian and or KHL players every year since 2016. But I gotta think, unless 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 they get some sort of assurance that this guy's gonna be okay and other players are not gonna be necessarily impacted or aggrieved, mm-hmm. um, I can foresee. Guys like, you know, Danila Yurov, Gleb Trikazov, Ivan Mirashchenko, and, and many others that could be drafted by the Devils or Carolina or the New York teams. And they'll just say, nope, not this year. And we don't, we do not want to have to deal with what Philadelphia is currently sweating through right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want anyone to deal with that. It's, it's, yeah. It's and awful. you can't blame them. You can't. Yeah, what are you no. going to say? No, you know, it's already tough enough to get a player out of uh, the KHL because, again, you got to wait for the contract to end and hope and pray they don't sign another one, which is the concern with Gritsiuk. Now you have to worry about whether or not could, whether or not they're going to be in jail for a couple of years for, quote unquote, draft evasion or worse, be sent to the front lines in the Ukraine. Which is the sooner this ends, the better for everyone, it seems. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in terms of. There's not really much more we can say about. No, that. there isn't. We'll, that's, we'll that's see what the, happens. That's part of the lament. There's a lot of helplessness. You would think a team yeah. or a, or a league as powerful and as rich as the NHL could do something, but the harsh reality yeah, is, but, uh, no. Unfortunately, that money cannot just come in and solve all your problems. Unfortunately, yeah. and definitely not with Putinist Russia being as it is. I mean, it's not good when the when the journalists who cover it go, "Well, this is just how it works in Russia with under Putin," and it's like yeah. that's that's not what. I, I know that's true, but I didn't want to read that. (laughs) A lot of, a lot of liberation happening there. And speaking of, uh, you know, know speaking (laughs) of things that Putin is Russia can't participate in the world junior championships are happening in Edmonton. uh, And Alex Holtz is not going to be representing Sweden, but I actually prefer what he's doing instead and working out with Jesper Bratt and his trainer in Sweden, who transformed Jesper Bratt from a scrawny six round pick to Jesper Bratt. That's right. Uh, the world, you are absolutely right. This is a, this is what I said earlier about. This is an uh, unusual hockey year. Uh, the world junior championships are basically to fill up August, August 9th through August 20th. Uh, I want to say the IHF has allowed players that were eligible back in December to play in this year's in, in the August tournament, rather than saying, ah, oh, you turned 20, you can't play now. Cause that would be ridiculous, mm-hmm. but you're right. Holtz is not representing Sweden. It's unclear if Jacob Malik is going to play for uh, Czechia. I'm not sure if Luke Hughes is going to play for America or if he's even called in to play for America. I know USA hockey is more concerned with the uh, link of Gretzky cup uh, that's happening in a couple of weeks. Not Corey Stillman, Chase Stillman. Stillman, He's in the selection camp, but he didn't make Canada back in December. Will he make Canada this year? Will we salvage this 29th overall pick from 2021 that I didn't like? Uh. And and, and Stillman has not done anything. This season in the OHL to deter my thinking that that was not a good pick, Dan. Do you think he makes Canada? I don't think so, but it's nice that he's at least at selection camp rather than just not being relevant at all, right? This is true. At least he's in the he's in the mix, as they say. Beggars can't be choosers, John. That's that's the moral of this devil season. We 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 can't really we can win the off season all we want, but it, it it doesn't really matter. We we just need to be better. And it's a desperate need for all these things. So if any prospects at Canada's selection camp, I'll take that for sure. And speaking, and speaking of things that people will take, Dan, we had another off, off-site, uh, off, off-site, off-ice development 
that's good for Devils fans. Mm-hmm. Um, a beat reporter has yes. appeared for NewJersey.com. Ryan Novozinski yes. has been hired to cover the Devils, and he's been active. He's been informed. We learned how much Fabian Zetterloon benches. He's asking the right questions, and I actually wanted to bring him up to discuss, you know, kind of dovetail from the Stillman conversation. He asked a question on Twitter that was, what's the biggest first round uh, bust that the Devils have ever had for a piece that he did today? We pretty much got to a consensus for a lot of these answers. I think Neil Brady was definitely up there. Oh, yeah. Um, Rocky Trottier was up there. Um, My answers are more recency biased, you know, biased in terms of uh, Matthias Tedenby and Jacob Josephson, who I very openly despise. I, I think he was terrible. He had one skill and it was the shootout and still he wasn't very good at it. Well, so those are my answers. (laughs) Well, see, here's the thing. I thought about Neil Brady. If you want to dig even deeper, Dan, you could have Mm -hmm. picked uh, Corey Foster from the 88 draft mm-hmm. selected at 12th overall and played a whopping 48 games in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer, um, at least, at least guys like Trottier, Brady, Vadim Sharif, Najav, uh, the aforementioned Foster, even Damp Hoos played some NHL games. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer was Adrian Foster. Uh, now, yes. now I will argue that yes, Aria Honan was not a good pick. But here's the difference, Dan. Ario Hona was at least an eligible player to be drafted. The NHL draft in 2001 had to pause because NHL people at Central Scouting did not know if this man, Adrian Foster, was actually available to be picked at all. How far off board do you have to go in the first round to get someone that the league doesn't know is available? That is right. And this is not like he played nothing at all. Like he was a junior player, but the thing with Adrian Foster is that throughout his entire major junior career, he was injured significantly. So his first year in in junior hockey with Saskatoon, seven games played second season. And this was his draft eligible year. He played five games. And then after being drafted, he played 13 more games for Saskatoon and only 14 for Brandon, which, okay. We got a guy with less than 50 games of major junior experience. He jumps into the AHL and it's quickly apparent. This guy's no good. Mm-hmm. Like his point production is middling. And then after several years of kicking around the AHL, he, he played in Austria. He played for Dinamo Riga, Frankfurt Lions, Oro HK, Straubing Tigers, Lake Erie for eight games, Wolfsburg Grizzly Adams, Idaho Steelheads, San Francisco Bulls of the ECHL, and then ended his career with the Abbotsford Heat in 2014. This is a guy like Aria Honan was a guy that, you know, he was playing at a position that everyone and their mother knew that he was not going to get major time with. Right. Mm-hmm. But Adrian Foster was a complete waste of a pick then. And he was, and he turned out to be a total waste of a pick. That's my answer for biggest bust in devil's history. And it's good that Ryan is active in asking these questions. He's gotten the fan base pretty engaged. It's nice to have someone who is uh, intimately connected with the team again. And uh, I understand the moves that the athletic had to make in terms of covering the devils. And I think, um, you know, what Shana Goldman provides is pretty good in terms of the, it, it's not a beat. That's the difference. I think people yes. are misunderstanding her role. Her role is to analyze the devils. It's not to really scrutinize and ask them questions because she doesn't go to the game. She's not no. in the press pool for that. She is someone who watches highlights. She watches, um, you know, tape of the devils playing, breaks it down and, you know, talks about their system. She, she is more like a video um, coach than a beat reporter, which is fine with me. She does a good job at it by my, you know, by my account, but 
the beat reporter aspect was sorely missing. All the news yes. that was coming from the team was from the team hired reporters. And now we have someone who is asking more difficult questions, talking to more agents involved in the situations, branching out a little bit in terms of who he's talking to. So it's good to see uh, yes. the beat back. Um, I don't think we've had that much of a beat on the devil since Tom Galiti, right? No, Andrew Gross covered the oh, team Gross, very yeah. well for, uh, for yep. NorthJersey.com. Uh, I think started falling apart with Abby Mastraco, and it wasn't Abby's fault per se. I, I, yeah, this was around was... the same time where the Bergen record was being bought out by uh, Gannett, so it became a USA Today affiliate, and clearly and she USA was kind Today. of thrust into it. Yeah, like she made it very clear she was a baseball person, which fine. I mean, a lot of sports journalists, hockey is not their love, guys. They're not fans of the Devils. If they cover the Devils, they're they're journalists. They're here to do a job. That's simple as that. So Abby was fine but you could tell that her focus gross cared enough to, to respond to people and, and push into things and appropriately he still is in hockey he now covers the islanders for newsday um but you know mistraco did it and then after the gannett thing you know the bergen record just fell off the, the trail newjersey.com fell off they had a young guy covering the devils in um what's his name now ryan not not Chris Ryan, thank you. Yep. Um, but he, it was clear that he was not given a lot of support or resources to cover things. So you look to the athletic with its expensive subscription option and hope that, okay, is there something something here? And the answer is no, because as you said, it's not that Goldman is bad at what she does. She does quite a good job, but she isn't doing stuff that's that much different from what we do at All About the Jersey and what Todd Cordell does at Infernal Access. Mm-hmm. Like. And- and again, like you, you accrue opinions by reading all these people and you accrue all these different analyses. And like you said, she, she does a good job. She, it's clear that she cares and knows what she's talking about, but it is not her job to ask Jesper Bratt's agent how negotiations are going. I want to make that's that abundantly at, clear. Yes. And at the same time, that's what people want to know. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> no, it's true. And, and I don't blame people for wanting to know, but I think they should direct their anger at the sources that actually deserve it. Correct. So stop paying the athletic $72, everybody. <laughs> oh, if you don't want to. I mean, I, I, I pay for it because I read about so much more than just the devils there. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Yeah. Um, speaking of events and things to pot, well, I don't think it's a paid event, but if you are a black and red member, you got mm-hmm. an email last week, um, of course, hyping up the draft party at the Stone Pony, which some fans are not happy about because the Stone Pony is only so big, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's about development camp. We got confirmation from the team. They're having a development camp this year. Uh, they're going to have a three on three tournament at the um, practice rink, the RWJ Barnabas hockey house, still a terrible name, but it's not my money that paid for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's better than crypto.com arena. This is very true. I will, <laughs> I will agree to that. Um, anyway, the Hockey House will have a three-on-three tournament at 6 p.m. And uh, we'll have an autograph session shortly thereafter. And then on Friday at noon, I don't know why they can't do this on a Saturday at noon, but hey, I'm not the owner of the practice rink. Maybe they got other events happening. Or maybe it's because of camp rules. I don't know. Um, but they're going to have their red and white scrimmage game. And that's, and it's interesting they picked those dates because, again, the first day of free agency is July 13th. And the black and red members, Dan, are mostly season ticket holders or plan holders. So these are not, you know, people coming off the street just to watch some hockey for random things. These are people who read our site, people who listen to our podcast, the people who matter, Dan, hardcore fans of the Devils. They're going to be on, you know, they're going to have, they're, they're going to want to know how free agency is going. So if 
Mr. Fitzgerald does not have a good day on the 13th. It might not be a happy time at the hockey house uh, <laughs> on either of those days, but the development camp is coming uh, very, very soon, shortly after the draft. So we will at least get to see who's around, who's young, and get a preview of what we could have for preseason, which was also announced last week. And remember, we're in New Jersey, so if uh, people don't like what Fitz did on July 13th, they will let him know. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're a very loud state. Yeah, they, they will let him know, and uh, I'm sure he's very well aware of what the stakes are, because at this point, if you are taking the second overall and the team is not any better than they've shown the last couple of years, your job is on the line, guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100% totally. And um, we shall see how far he makes it into next season, but well, as we wait for the full schedule, which I want to say maybe coming out before the draft, traditionally it does happen like a day or two before the draft actually mm-hmm. happens, which is this coming Thursday. Uh, we yep. got preseason announced. The Devils will be playing seven games. Mm-hmm. No idea about broadcasts. Um, no split squad games. No neutral site games. Uh, all games are at the home arena of each of the teams. So, you know, these are legit arenas if you want to go check them out. Uh, September 26th, on Monday, they're going to be in Montreal. September 27th, they'll be uh, hosting the Islanders. The 29th and 30th in September will be uh, back-to-back with our hated rivals, home and away. Then they'll go host Boston on October 3rd, visit the Islanders on October 6th, and then visit Boston on October 8th. Mm-hmm. And based on the, the structure of the preseason, it's pretty easy to see that it, you can expect the first set of cuts to come after that back-to-back with the Rangers, um, and then you can see further cuts going to be made because there's several days in between the Boston, the Islanders and the, and the second Boston game where that second Boston game will basically be like a dress rehearsal for the regular season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, once development camp starts, we'll have a better idea. Who's going to be this year's Dawson Mercer? Who's going to be the person that really uh, surprises at camp and makes a name for themselves? It's we're all hoping it's Alex Holtz. I mean, he shouldn't be a surprise at this point. He had a great year in Utica and um it's time for him to make the jump, but who is going to be that player? Uh, we'll talk about that more as we get closer to actual camp itself. Uh, like I said, we'll talk more details on free agency and more numbers and comparisons for uh, what Jesper Bratt might get, what kinds of players might be a good fit for the Devils as things resolve closer to free agency. But this week, as the draft happens, look for the Devils to take one of the aforementioned players, uh, you know, Slavkovsky, Cooley, Wright, um, year check and Nemec seem like the most likely options. I don't think Gauthier is really for the devils at this point, but I hope not. No, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they decide to do. And I'm hoping that so far Fitz hasn't really overthought any of his picks, um, in the first round, at least besides Muka Madulin. And, and uh, that's and Stillman, that's right. But that wasn't really like 29th overall is like a crapshoot, isn't it? Uh, not. Given the players that were available in 2021, given that I listed like five or six guys I wish they took instead, literally as the pick was being made, yeah. I'm going to go with not so much, Dan. But you uh, are right. The 29th overall is less likely to make it than fourth overall. So. Yeah. So second is a big, big, big deal. We hope that uh, it goes the way we want it to. Absolutely. Anything else to cover for today, John? Well, we covered a lot of different things. Yeah, we had a I lot do, of ground. I do want to give one last shout out or question i want to say is as i mentioned uh the linka gretzky cup that's usually the the unofficial start of the draft year so if you like draft prospects you like covering the draft you know 
feel free to get into it. And the first major event for that is typically the Lincoln Gretzky Cup, which is, which is an under 18 international tournament, which of course does not include Russia or Belarus this year for obvious reasons. But USA Hockey announced their roster. And if, you, if you're a New Yorker, there's a lot of New Yorkers on this roster, or at least guys who are claiming New York. The one guy who claims um, New Jersey as the um, as his hometown, Livingston hometown. I looked up uh, AJ Lacroix, but according to his Elite Prospects page, he was born in Vancouver, hasn't played entirely in Vancouver, and has played in the BCHL last year. So I, I question his connection to New Jersey. But if you're looking for that, go support him a, 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 among the other guys of the USA roster at the Lincoln Gretzky. So yeah. good luck to him. I, I'll, I'm sure there's. I'm sure we'll find out where the Livingston connection comes from soon. Sure. All right. So um, we'll get to free agency next week. Maybe things will change. Maybe they won't. Maybe we'll be talking about the exact same players we were talking about this week. But who is to say? I'm just happy we get to start season four of the podcast. We get to start a new league year, wipe the slate clean, and see if the Devils can finally make their way back to contention. They were uh, exciting at moments last year. And of course, you know, injuries just derailed everything. But uh, will Hamilton get back to being Hamilton? Will Hughes spend the year uninjured? Will Nico take another step forward? What will Brat's contract look like? All that and more to be discussed as we go through this season. And thank you again for joining us. We're very excited to uh, be back to you. Um, very excited to be back to you with the podcast. And if you have suggestions, as always, please leave them in the comments. If you have any guests that you'd like us to try and get, we can maybe try to do that now that our software has upgraded significantly. So uh, that all being said, thank you again for joining. Thank you for listening always. And let's go Devils. Go Devils. See you next time. Go Devils.